Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we want to turn to you and we acknowledge that you are truly on the throne, that you are sovereign over everything from the tiniest virus of microns in size to the vast galaxies, Lord, that they are all under your complete control. And Father, we want to submit ourselves to the very same control. We want to find our comfort, our peace, our hope, and uh, trust in, in you. Lord, we pray this morning that you would also would uh, direct our hearts, that you would direct the message, and Lord, that we could draw closer to you through it. Lord, we are in desperate need of your guidance and your comfort at this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So for our meditation this morning, let's turn together to the Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12 to the end. It reads, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open, and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me as David my father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shalt observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom, according as I have covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. <clears throat> but if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land which I have given them, and this house which I have sanctified for my name will I cast out of my sight, <clears throat> and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house which is high shall be an astonishment to everyone that passeth by it, so that he shall say, Why hath the Lord done thus unto this land, unto this house? And it shall be answered, Because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt, and laid hold on other gods, and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore hath he brought all this evil upon them. Dear brothers and sisters and friends, as we look at these verses, they seem very relevant to us. Uh, let's take a look at verse 13 here. It says, if I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. Well, it was just January this year that our eyes were glued uh, to the television about Australia being on fire, the entire continent, because of lack of rain. <clears throat> And then next thing it says, if I command the locusts to devour the land, well, there are clouds of locusts right now in the Horn of Africa uh, devouring all the crops there and make, creating a major disaster. And the third, or if I send pestilence among my people. Well, here I don't even need to mention the 
virus that is now spread across the entire world and uh, is bringing our economy and education and political systems all to their knees. So God has said in times past that this was going to be uh, a possibility, that he might try to get our attention by bringing disasters like this. And here we see all three of them happening right now in our world. So what is what are we to learn? The next thing he says here is, if my people... He gives a hope, a response of what we can do when once he's gotten our attention. It can be, a, the question is, what are we focused on? Are we focused on the problem, the virus, or are we turning and seeking God's face and recognizing that this is his attempt in love to get our attention. I'd like to read a second passage with you uh, to, to help illustrate that. Let's turn together to the book of Numbers, chapter 21. We're just going to read from verses 4 to 9. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people, and the people, and the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and he put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. So here in this passage, we have the people of God uh, now uh, wandering through the desert, and uh, they thought they had something to complain about, despite the fact that God was providing <clears throat> for their every need. Uh, they were complaining that uh, the bread he gave from heaven with its beautiful honey and nutty uh, taste wasn't good enough. They were sick of it. They wanted something else. Our soul lo loathed this light bread. Um, we're sick and tired of the same thing morning, noon, and night, <clears throat> despite the fact that it was meeting our needs. And I'm sure just a few uh, short weeks ago, we might be complaining about some things that we think very inconsequential right now. And because God has gotten our attention and hopefully focused on us on more important things. But that's the question I have for you this morning. What are you focused on? <clears throat> it was very important in this passage that they not focus on the serpents that were biting them, even though that seemed to be the problem, because no matter how far they ran, those serpents would still get them. They needed to turn their attention to the Savior the, the, that uh, was raised up, the serpent on the pole, 
that was raised up, and if they looked on that servant, they would live. <clears throat> and so the question for us is, are we focused on the problem or on the Savior? <clears throat> now, I want to admit something here and confess something. Uh, Josiah jokes to his friends at work that uh, all his family does was sit on the uh, couch and say, COVID, COVID, COVID. Uh, now, that's not quite true, but it is true that uh, we are uh, every day at 11.15 when the prime minister comes on, you can hear his voice from more than one room of the household being played as we try to stay on top of everything. And as we share with each other, did you know that uh, they've got freezer uh, refrigerated trucks in New York now for temporary morgues? Did you know that? You know, now there's more people dead in Italy. Now there's more people sick in the U.S. and so on. As we follow the the, the track of this virus, <clears throat> I have to admit that it is consuming a lot of my attention. And this is uh, a problem I have. I would say I also remember when I was uh, in the hospital with Josiah. And he uh, was laying there. He had just had his operation. He was intubated, had some 27 things uh, coming out of his tiny two-year-old body. And in my attempt to, to deal with the problem, uh, I wanted to understand things. That, that was my thought that, you know, the more I knew, the more I was in control. And that was, of course, um, not true. Uh, I was asking the, the ICU doctor. He was in charge of the whole uh, neonatal ICU. And he was sitting next to Josiah's bed that night because Josiah was literally hanging between life and death. And <clears throat> I was asking the questions and I realized that he really was not in control. He did not understand. He did not know what was going to happen. The best he, he, all he could do was try to balance Josiah's vital uh, signs and, and, and try to give him uh, an opportunity for his body to heal, but he was not in control. It was only God that was in control. And I think that's very similar to, to the situation we are in right now with this virus too, that uh, our you know attempts to, to get completely distracted with this and focus on it is not really going to give us control. Yes, we need to be aware of the necessary restrictions. We need to wash our hands and cough in our elbow and and uh, keep our social distance and 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 there's there's things that are are wise uh, practices that are, are good to share. But beyond that, uh, me being aware of every blip uh, that happens is not really giving me any control. It's really in God's hands and. Uh, I need to humble myself and recognize that I am in God's hands. The situation is in God's hands. The things I care about are in God's hands. In fact, I would say this is God's attempt to humble ourselves. And instead of focusing on the fiery serpents, I need to turn and focus my attention on, on the Savior. Uh, Jesus himself and, and John uh, said that he is the one that is lifted up, just like the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, that he, if he is lifted up, will draw all men to him and that we might be saved. And 
So Jesus is the one that I need to be focused on. He's the one I need to be lifting up in my own heart to the watching world around us that is also very afraid and is finding their idols crumbling right now. Uh, you know, it was only a few short weeks ago that, you know, we thought this would never happen here. We thought, you know, we have the technology, we have the medical expertise, we have the money, that our money is going to save us. We have, you know, our military, our, our, our better political system, our democracy is going to work so much better than Chinese communism or whatever. We thought all these things that we were exceptions and that we would be saved, but we are seeing that this virus is not discriminating against any political system, against any age or nationality. Um, it's really uh, infecting everyone, although, yes, it's true that uh, the young people don't seem to be getting sick as much. But in all kinds of ages beyond, I think, it was the age of eight or so, are dying. <clears throat> so the point, though, was that we are... Uh, all the things that we trust and all the idols that we have to control our environment from knowledge, as I confessed my, my, one of my issues to be, you know, all the way to, you know, all these things that we thought would save us. God is proving them to be idols that he is destroying to get our attention so that we can humble ourselves and realize we're not in control and we need to turn to the only one who is. As Hebrews 12 says, he's shaking the things that can be shaken so that only the things that are unshakable remain, which is he himself. The, the passage that we read together, the, the, the verse I want to focus on now, verse 14 of 2 Chronicles 7 if my people, we are named by him, we are named Christians, but are we in his likeness? Are we lifting him up to the people in the wilderness whose idols are now shaken, who are looking for something? Do they see a difference in me or am I also hunkered down and afraid as well? Uh, do, I, do they see in me a hope? Do they see in me a love? Am I willing to extend myself on the behalf of others just like Jesus did? This has been the mark of Christians even throughout the century, centuries that when plagues came, even way back in the Byzantine Emperor, Empire, the, the, um, it was the Christians who stayed behind and took care of the sick. I just read a, 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 um, a story recently from the Enses uh, in Kitchener how their great-grandfather had gone through a plague and it was the uh, Anabaptist community there that stuck together, even as others were abandoned, some took off to the forest and were killed there. Some were left sick in their own houses and, and, and closed up and, not, and, and doors nailed shut so they couldn't leave and, and died there. But the community committed to take care of each other. And, uh, and even one was able to prophesy that after I die and 10 more, then it will be the end. And so it was. The, but they were able to survive because they did show exceptional love and commitment. And so the question is, in the midst of this crisis, am I demonstrating the character of God? Call by my name. Humble themselves. As we're saying, do I humble myself and recognize I am not in control? Our 
finances. God is another idol that God is, is, is destroying here, our stock market portfolios. You know, as I try to scamble and salvage, you know, ineffectively. And you would think that, you know, our, for example, our brothers in Papua New Guinea who don't have stock markets, at least they're financially secure, at least as secure as they were before. But amazingly, even there, uh, their wealth is not in stocks and bonds, but in pigs, still uh, holding uh, livestock as, as a form of currency and prestige in that society. And yet their livestock is now being wiped out by African swine flu. And they are suffering uh, through, again, a, a virus that has no, um, no vaccine. And God is able to get, uh, no matter where we are, from the highlands of New, New Guinea to, to the metropolis of New York, um, our security is not found in our man-made self-sufficiency. We need to humble ourselves and pray. What does this mean, pray? This doesn't just mean that, uh, you know, we pray for Aunt Susie's surgery that's coming up. It means that we pray a prayer of repentance. We often pray for the lost, and we should pray for the lost. If there was ever a time that our lost, our, our, our lost friends are maybe, you know, days and weeks away from eternity and need to get right with the Lord, it is now. But we need to pray a prayer of repentance for ourselves. Is that category there of confession and repentance, is that in our prayers? Prayer is an expression of dependence upon God. And it is when the church has humbled itself and prayed that there has been revival in the church and in the land, as is being promised here. And it is as we together humble ourselves, and it's going to take humility because we need to expose ourselves to each other. It's interesting, I find that, you know, we're, we're, it's, we have a hard time turning on our webcams, for example, because we haven't taken the time, perhaps, to put on our Sunday best and have a well-maintained exterior. And I think this is symbolic of what's going on in the interior, how we also curate and manage an image of who we are on the inside. And God is challenging us this morning to be honest and to admit that I'm struggling, that I fail in this area. I need help. I need to be accountable. I need to confess. I need to seek his face. I need to turn from my wicked ways. I need to pray and cry out to God for deliverance. I need to turn my face to the Savior. It was, uh, I heard a young person recently, you know, say, oh, everything, you know, Christians answers to every problem is just Jesus. They just say Jesus is the answer. And I want to answer that person right now and say, yes, Jesus is the answer. Because guess what? He is the only solution to the real problem. The common problem is always sin in the heart of man. And the only solution to the, that is through repentance and through conversion, through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, his resurrection within us. That's why no matter what political system you come up with, whether it be communism, wonderful system where we share everything, but because corruption in the human heart, it doesn't work. 
capitalism where, you know, the, the, those who work hard are rewarded. But because of corruption in the human heart, people abuse their power. No matter what system you come up with, it is corruption in the human heart that, that spoils it from the inside out. And that's often the issue with our social ills and even these uh, natural ills, you know, all harken back to the garden where, where we read together last week in Romans chapter 8 that God submitted this world, this creation to corruption in hope to get our attention. Just like it's saying this morning, if my people can wake up and realize and humble themselves and pray. And pray and seek my face. What does it mean to seek my face? It means that we want to look to God in this problem, not to ourselves. Often people in this crisis, they're seeking to run away from God. Now in Revelations chapter 6, it says how people will ask for the rocks and the mountains to fall upon them so they don't have to face Jesus as he's coming back in Revelation chapter 6. Well, you know what people are doing? They're running not to the rocks and the mountains. They're running to their screens. They're running to their, their Netflix and their... Um, their alcohol and their gaming systems and whatever it is to stick their head in that that uh, metaphorical sand and get distract themselves so they don't have to face the reality that their power is collapsing, their empire is collapsing, that everything they built to to retire or to uh, you know build up uh, their their future is now clearly not in their hands. So. When we seek God's face and we get honest and we get real and we stop running and we stop hiding and we stop distracting and we face God, then we can start to seek God's face. We start to read his word with hunger. We start to pray with a sincere heart, with the spirit and in truth. And we start to, to fast and say this, God, you are more important than my self-indulgence, the things I run to to make myself feel happy. I want you more than anything. As we seek his face, it will come alive. The, that uh, we know our prayers aren't bouncing out of the that we can hear and feel God responding to us in prayer, that the word comes alive and speaks to us, that uh, we seek him earnestly. And as we, the Bible says, as we draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh to us. And we need to turn from our wicked ways. It's not just a matter of saying the right words, praying the sinner prayer. Um, you know, expressing a profession of faith, we need to be willing to abandon the ways before. How many things that we allowed into our lives or allowed desensitized to us that are that God hates, but we, in our political correctness, or because we find some hidden enjoyment in it, we allow it in our lives. We don't speak up against it out of fear. We don't resist it out of, and we are allowing wickedness into our spheres and into our families, into our homes, through our screens, through our um, through the things that we allow through our ear and eye gates. We need to turn from our wicked ways, change our habits, change not only our words, but uh, the actions that flow from our heart. And then we have this promise, then, then will I hear from heaven. Then we, we will hear uh, the prayer being responded to, the words being alive. Then God, uh, we we, are, we speak not to a brass heavens, but to Jehovah Shammah, as we heard last week from Hagar, who who said, 
This is a God who hears me. Jehovah Shammah. We speak to not to a living God who cares, who heart is moved, who, who, who turns us to, to destruction and says, turn back to me, as we read together from Psalm 90 last week. God will hear and will forgive our sin. That's what we really need. That's the heart of every problem is a problem in the heart. The heart is the sin in my own heart where I'm hanging on to idols. And that we could see that's why uh, God warned them that this place, I'm going to hear your prayers in this place. But if you turn to idols, I'm not going to hear you anymore. I'm going to uh, remove you from even this beautiful building. We've been removed from our building. Are we going to turn to God in our hearts and worship him in spirit and in truth and seek him to forgive our sin? Because God wants to first deal with his broken relationship with us so that we can lift him up in our hearts, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, that he can be lifted up and draw men unto him, and then he will heal the land. We don't want to seek first for an external solution when just cover up the corruptness inside. We want to seek for a solution from the inside out where Jesus' blood cleanses us and is extended to others. And then there can be true peace that the world does not understand, cannot have through Jesus Christ our Lord. 